Hello and welcome to the Vote Her podcast because when you vote, great things can happen. When you vote early, great things can happen. I'm Mira Davis, media personality, HLN weekend pop culture reporter and political enthusiast. And I am Terry Anulowitz, actual real life politician, House District 42 in Georgia. I will be there in January and You'll find out by the end of this episode all the ways in which I am apparently neglecting my children. Oh my gosh, we're going to get right into that. We're going to talk about why working mothers are under attack. But until then, you'll be burning down the house. Exactly. <laughs> Has anyone ever said that to you? <laughs> Actually, no. That'd be a good walk-on song. If we had walk-on music every time we went to the well, House that'd be really good. All right. Although oh. my, my walk-on music is always short skirt, long jacket. Oh, my cake. Yeah, it's a great walk-on song. It's a good one. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah, my fingernails shine like justice. That's a good song. It's yeah. a good band. Okay, let's get started. There is so much to talk about as we ramp up our podcast um, as far as voting and Georgia politics. The early turnout numbers, the records are being smashed. Uh, over a million people voted in, in early voting, but still nobody knows until they know. Yeah, I don't think we know what these numbers mean. We know what the numbers are, but it's really difficult to say, oh, well, this is what it was in 2018. This is what it was in 2020. This is what that might mean because the way we vote is so different than it was in 2018 and 2020. There is a much shorter period for getting your vote by mail ballot. It's a lot harder to vote by mail. If you don't have a printer or access to a printer, you really can't vote by mail because of the way everything is set up with how you have to apply for that ballot. And so, you know, how many of the folks who would have voted by mail in past years are now voting early? We don't know how everything is falling out. We don't, and so- It's we weird. Know, yeah, we know people are voting early. We know we're breaking records, but we don't know how to contextualize those records. Right, so I keep looking at all the breakdowns and who's, we. you know, it's like, I feel like I've transferred my looking at the maps of where all the COVID is. Yes. to where all the votes right. and you are. Can, yeah, and you can go to, is it georgiavotes.org or georgiavotes.com? And the AJC, Mark Nacy, yeah. has been doing a really good job of breaking that down. But it is interesting because a lot of the Northwest Georgia counties, um, like, of course, the Marjorie Taylor Greene areas, mm -hmm. like those people are voting early like crazy. Right. And, but look, you have people in the more dense areas voting a lot too. What I seem to notice, Terry, is that it's a lot of people in the older demographics demographics that are voting. Right. And a lot of young people aren't voting. That is correct. So I just pulled up the stats for HD 42, the district that I, that I represent in the, in GeorgiaVotes.com. Would that be Smyrna, That Terry? is Smyrna and a little bit of Marietta and a little bit of unincorporated <laughs> cop, um, including the Atlanta Braves and Dobbins. So yeah, like by now by gender, like, so we're at, we're at basically... We're behind where we were two years ago in HD 42. We've got about, um, you know, in, in this district now. Compared uh, to. Yeah, compared to last year. Right now, like like 5,100 people have voted so far. It is mostly women. It's 56% female, 43% male. Mm -hmm. So that's that's something that's, Notable, but yeah, 18 to 29 year olds is only 8.6%. Yeah, so I was asking my son about that. And I don't know if you, you know, you have teenagers yeah. also. So I was asking him and he's 17, he can't vote yet. By the way, today's his birthday, <gasps> which is working. weird. I'm like, oh my God, I gave 
Isn't it weird when you're a mother and like it's your kid's birthday? You're like, why are you celebrating? I right? did all the work. Right? Yeah, 12 <laughs> hours of unmedicated Pitocin it's, labor, kiddo. This is my cake. It is my birthday too. Yes. Anyway, I was asking him, I was like, look, is is it on TikTok? Or like, are kids excited about this? Is it being talked about in school? Now, again, I know that my son goes to a, you know, in, in town high school, public high school, but he says there's a lot of enthusiasm with kids. What about in the Smyrnaville? I think, yes, there is. So for, first of all, in six months, six months from today, your son needs to register to vote because you can register when you're 17 and a half. Yep. Um, there is. There, I mean, they're very aware, right? Because they're very online and every online platform is wall to wall with the right. ad, the same ads that we're seeing when we're watching Jeopardy, like the old people that we are. Um, so I know they're aware and there is enthusiasm. It's just, will they take the, the, well, the ones who are 18, take that to the polls? You know, are, are the college students who are not living at their home address, are they either registered to vote where they live, which is what I did when I was in college, or are they, you know, getting their absentee ballots in? Are, are they voting by mail? Are they going to be able to run home this weekend to do Saturday voting? Yeah, I was, so I was not engaged at that age. I didn't care. So, so I, you know, and, and as we know, like, look, we saw Stacey Abrams at the Lizzo concert. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, gosh, if those younger people, if they, that could right. make a difference. No, it can make a difference. This election is going to be so close all of these races are going to be so close. We are a purple state, right? And so, yeah, like if you can convince, you know, 500 people at a Lizzo concert to go vote, if you can get another 400 people at, you know, there's a Gucci Mane event happening this weekend. Like if, if you can, or if, if you can just- There is? I think so, yeah. Oh. Gucci, and Omaretta, Ooh. who, according to her at least, I do live in Atlanta because she filmed that video at the battery. <laughs> Well, I mean, I've been seeing that. So, so, so I think those things can really make a difference. Yeah. So, so it will be interesting. And will those kids be voting early? You know, I, we don't know. So I think there's a lot to be learned. Yeah. I think there's a lot. Um, people seem to say that Georgia is not a purple state though. I mean, I mostly hear that from Republicans. I mostly that hear that from Republicans too, but. You know, and also, um, People are just really feel they're really feeling it. There's a narrative out there that it's uh, Democrats in disarray. So let's let's move on with that narrative. I mean, you know, the, the couple of you know, in watching all the forecasting, you know, I of mm-hmm. course maybe like I talked about last week, there are people who I follow who are like convinced, like no, 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 no. There's a lot of those secret voters, like the Trump voters, who are who in sixteen and twenty, who said they hate Trump but they voted for him anyway, and. They seem to feel that there are going to be those people that are motivated by the Dobbs decision who are not registering in polls. Right. No, that's and we did. We had so many people register to vote after the Dobbs decision came down. And we don't have any, you know, there's no background data on them. We have no, we, we don't know how they voted in the past. So we can't sort of predict if they're voting, you know, for the Democrats or the Republicans. We just don't know. But I will say kids out there, I know if you, if you are 18 and you're a senior in high school and there are a lot of those kids I know in Cobb County, election day is a school holiday. So we'll see. I mean, yeah. we'll see. So we, don't, we don't know. We don't know. Listen, I would only hope that teens are listening to this podcast, but I don't feel too <laughs> all confident. The, all the youth. <laughs> okay. Uh, we got to get to Herschel Walker because that's what, you know, always the biggest political story. Um, I, it was announced that, you know, there's another abortion. You know, according to him, nobody can get an abortion, but except the his all his girlfriends. I got to tell you, I mean, there are a lot of ladies thirsty for him. So tip of the hat, I guess. 
Um, I guess. He just, he's a horny hornster. He was just having a lot of sex with a lot of ladies. But um, uh, here's some crazy town. Uh, this is Lindsey Graham talking about him. And this was wild. Of Herschel Walker, because if Herschel Walker becomes a Republican, maybe every other young child in America of color might want to be a Republican. That's what they're trying to do. Don't let them get away with it. TeamHerschel.com. I want the biggest night for the Herschel Walker campaign to be tonight. Okay, that's just number one. So Lindsey Graham, who has now uh, has to testify in uh, the, the Fulton County Right. Grand jury. Um, he doesn't want to be in Atlanta, but he sure is in Georgia a lot. I had a guest, someone on my Twitter say that. I thought that was really That's funny. A, that is a very good take. <laughs> no, he is, I mean, what a weird, what a right? weird angle he's pushing that Herschel, that, that parents would want Herschel Walker to be a role model. Like, I, even if you were to ask those Republicans who were like, well, I'm voting for Herschel Walker because I want to make sure Mitch McConnell has his majority. Like, even those guys... I can't imagine they would actually want their kid to emulate Herschel Walker, right? Yeah. Like, like man, you know, Tomcat, you know. It, uh, it, it's very, very bizarre. First of all, I think it's so racist. And I think that's that's sort of a, mm -hmm. it's got the racism dog on there. Um, but it is weird how they're all stumping for Herschel. Uh, and also, again, no Donald Trump, but there's some crazy crazy Herschel quotes. Wait, here's another one. Um, let's see. Oh, all these Twitter videos have ads before them. So I'm trying to find one without an ad, but you know what I'm saying. Oh yeah. Well, and Ted Cruz was also in town with Lindsey Graham stumping for Herschel. And that was interesting to me because don't they know nobody likes Ted Cruz? Right. Oh wait, here we go. I am. But anyway, all of a sudden I said, no, I can't have a mental problem. So I would like to, so I decided to go to this hospital. And I go to this hospital and I go, whoa, these people here are crazy. These people are crazy right here. And I'm not like them. I am not like them. And then I found out again because of the grace of God. That there we, we go all again. Fall short of the glory of God. So what you have to do, you have to get washed in his blood. Okay. There's so much to unpack. There's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> First of all, here's what's funny about that one, Terry, is there's been a lot of shaming from people saying, don't make fun of Herschel Walker's mental health. He had mental health struggles. We need to be sympathetic over those things. And look, they're not wrong, okay? Yeah. People do have mental health. But here he is in a 30-second clip shaming people with mental health when he claimed to go to a mental hospital, which I do no. not believe he actually did. No, that's exactly right. He, he, that was the whole point of the NHR. He's like, well, yeah, I mean, I had mental health issues. Obviously, I held a gun to my wife's head and I had, you know, Disassociative identity <laughs> disorder, otherwise known as multiple personality disorder, but I wasn't crazy like those people, and I prayed it away. That is that is that that's the part that's so extremely offensive. Also, is that notion that if you are struggling with mental illness, all you got to do is pray harder, and you will be just fine. And that is, it is a load of irresponsible garbage. It's just like when in the debate, Herschel Walker said that it didn't matter how much insulin cost because if you right. have diabetes, you, right. won't, you won't need insulin if you eat right, which first of all, everybody in the type one diabetes or, you know, formerly known as juvenile diabetes community who has 
it has nothing to do with anything. Well, and also, there, it's, 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 it's just so dismissive also, and ignorant. It's also, if you live in a rural area, you, you likely live in a food desert. Mm-hmm. And that is a big part of it too. When you only have access to fast food off the exit. Yeah. You're not having access. And also, let's face it, fruits and vegetables are expensive. And so there's just yes, there's are. just a million things that are problematic. But the other abortion that came out is, here's the thing. They don't care. It doesn't matter. There can be 10 more abortions. Oh, this is funny. This is Esther Panich, our guest. She's just, she's just texting away. She is. <laughs> We're going to be talking to her in a minute. Um, but it's just, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. There's zero mattering. So Gloria Allred comes out. I had said this. I wish I had said this on the podcast. I had said to my husband, we're not going to get through this midterm without seeing Gloria Allred. And yesterday I'm like, oh, here she is. Yeah, having Gloria Allred on your bingo card. That's a, that was a savvy (laughs) call. That was a savvy call. I did. I I was not expecting it, but I hadn't thought it through that thoroughly. And of course it's Gloria Allred. Of course. Of course it is, which is kind of how I'm like, oh yeah, this is legit. Because she's Gloria Allred's not gonna, she's not gonna have a press conference for someone who she has not completely vetted. Yeah, and she, and and look, she's kind of a badass. I mean, she's yeah. she's done a lot. I mean, listen, there's been some murky things, but you know, uh, listen, she there's a reason why she's made a name for herself, right? And. I believe it's all true. I believe the woman. I believe all these women. Of course he paid for abortions because we shouldn't be ashamed of this. This is real life and this happens every single day. Every single day. No, I think pressuring your partner to have an abortion, that's a that's a kind of a different but level of sketchiness. That happens every oh, day That happens too. every day also. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that happens all the time. I mean, that's the whole thing. It's probably all of these men who scream, um, pro-life, 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 they all pressure their mistresses to get abortions and don't think that's not happening. I'm not talking to you, Terry. I'm talking about whoever's listening to this podcast for opposition research. (laughs) I should only be so flattered about that. Uh, That (laughs) brings me to the Dr. Oz uh, Fetterman debate, Mm -hmm. which, which, look, that got a lot of scrutiny and and there are a lot of people who, and, and I'll just say it, Fetterman did not do well. He struggled through it, but at the same time, he got a, he had a stroke several months ago. It's like asking someone to run a marathon after they broke their leg. That's right. Well, and also, I think it's important to clarify that your verbal processing is not linked to your level of intelligence. So being able to articulate something doesn't mean you're unable to think it. And I think that that's an important, an important thing to, to make note of also. Like, Fetterman is sharp as hell. He is, you know, his intellect is 0% diminished and he didn't have to do that debate and he did it anyway. And, you know, but it's it's funny because out of everything, this was the clip that got the most attention, Dr. Oz. Government and how states decide their abortion decisions. As a physician, I've been in the room when there's some difficult conversations happening. I don't want the federal government involved with that at all. I want women, doctors, local uh, political leaders, letting the democracy that's always allowed our nation to thrive to put the best ideas forward so states can decide for themselves. Okay, so that became the centerpiece and maybe for for people on the left that that he's basically saying he wants local politicians involved in your healthcare yeah. decisions so i wanted to put that out there as it's like can you imagine the visual of 
having Herschel Walker um, looking over you or Brian Kemp looking no. over you no, like when, it's, you're, it's, when you're getting yeah, a pap smear? Yes, Ed Setzler now lurking in the <laughs> lobby of, of Cobb Hospital waiting for him like, hey, need my assistance? I mean, this is, this is so bizarre. And so I did go on a little tweet storm because I'm like, oh, then we should talk about vaginal discharge. We should talk about how you pee when you sneeze after you had a baby. We oh, should yeah. talk about menopause. We should talk about all these women's health issues. So I think, you know, so it's interesting, you know, that Fetterman got a lot of shit. Um, but I feel like to have any of these people that were dunking on Fetterman, you can dunk on the policies, whether he's pro or anti-fracking. Totally. That's open season. You know, but but has anyone in your life ever had a stroke or like had a catastrophic event happen to them? Right. It's it's so weird, the lack of empathy there. Oh yeah. And 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 you know, we're not, you know, we're not allowed to talk about Herschel Walker's mental health struggles. That's right. apparently off limits, but you can go, you know, lean in with, with the person who had a yeah, stroke. It's like, it's like Herschel Walker got a cookie. He got rewarded. Mm-hmm. He got op-ed saying what a great job he did. He held up a fake badge and pretended yeah. to be a lawmaker and lied and didn't know policy when he was specifically asked very, very pointed questions. Yeah. So that's just super, super bizarre. Okay. The one other debate, and I know you don't think it doesn't matter. I mean, it probably doesn't because I like fall for candidates that I just, I find fun or sexy, but this guy's definitely not sexy. This was um the South Carolina governor debate and they were, talking about gay marriage. Okay. It could also reverse the gay marriage precedent that it passed. Um, South Carolina law currently bans gay marriage as well as the state constitution. If the court reverses the gay marriage ruling that it, had, it has in the past and throws it back to the states, would you support legislation that would eliminate the ban on gay marriage and also allow voters to vote on, to rescind the, uh, the, uh, the amendment in the constitution? Well, uh, gay marriage is, is uh, it is in our Constitution. Oh, shoot, I lost it. It is not allowed. And under our state law, it is not allowed. Uh, I would follow state law, whatever the state law is. But uh, I, maybe I'm old-fashioned, but I think that marriage ought to be between a man and a woman. Just like I think that boys ought to play in boys' sports and girls ought to play in girls' sports. Why? What? What is uh, happening? And he's got to bring it back to the kids. <laughs> and God, you, you can't you can't miss that opportunity to punch down. So that's Governor Henry Henry McMaster, and yeah. uh, he's running against a young guy, Joe Cunningham, who, who to me looks like a um, poor man's John Edwards. Remember John oh, Edwards? Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember oh, John I Edwards. I loved him. I loved him until he became a rotten, dirty he his, scoundrel. Yeah. He had his flaws. Yeah, where is that guy? I wonder. I don't know. Uh, yeah, May Elizabeth know. rest in peace. Yeah, though. cheated She's... on his wife while she had cancer. I yep. mean, just a horrible garbage human. Like, put it this way. I would not vote for John Edwards as like hunky as I thought he was and how he was like fresh-faced and awesome. Forget it. I wouldn't vote for that guy. He's terrible. Um, but that South Carolina is just... Uh, 71% of the country thinks gay marriage. That's right. The fact that... There's even 29% that, do, that don't. I had to check my addition there. <laughs> so it was good. That was quick. That was quick. No, it's game. I mean, 
I got gay, nervous. I'm like, Terry is very smart. No, I'm not at math. <laughs> gay gay marriage is such, it's an issue like, how are we still talking about this? You know, again, but it's also very scary and very tenuous because we thought Roe was settled. Right. We thought, you know, we thought that gay marriage was settled and now apparently it might not be. And it's terrible. That has got to be absolutely terrifying. If you're a part of that community, I mean, if, you know, just knowing people in the community, knowing like, it's it's really scary, and it is. It's, it's something that I think most people, and a lot of Republicans during the cycle, like who are running for office in different states, will be like, yeah, no, I don't care, whatever. You know, do you know, marry who you want to marry, because nobody's nobody's going to make Henry McMaster marry a man. I mean, and right? Hen- Henry McMaster looks like. I mean, you know, when you see the, you know what, I don't even want to say it. Just he looks exactly the way you would picture him, and it's it's. It's in a state where, you know, I just was in at University right. of South Carolina and they were celebrating Pride Month. Mm-hmm. There was also the Strom Thurmond Athletic Center at University of yeah. South Carolina. Not great. But okay. So um, the next topic we want to get to is anti-Semitism. I know. <laughs> Exciting. That's um, a- <laughs> How do you even segue into anti-Semitism? Forget it. You you know, gay marriage? No. Anti-Semitism? Yes. There's a lot of it. And um, and that's going to lead us up to Esther Panich, who was our guest today, who's running for another house seat just so so she can burn down the house with um, with Terry. But man, there's been so much anti-Semitism and this Kanye stuff. I want to point out um, the this whole like George Soros stuff that's thrown around. And I found this ad. Let's not forget, five minutes ago, David Perdue was running against Governor Kemp for governor. Right. He was primarying him. And let's not forget, one of Kemp's biggest achievements is this Rivion plant, right? Right. Which is, who's a big investor Mm -hmm. in it? George George Soros. Soros. So this was an ad that I found, a David Perdue ad, because- Oh, yeah. That, this, so this is like a whole sub-conspiracy. This is, uh, well, just listen. A secret backroom deal between a governor and liberal billionaire George Soros. A scheme to give away hundreds of millions of tax dollars to a Soros-owned company. It's not Stacey Abrams. It's rhino Brian Kemp. <laughs> Kemp's crooked deal cost Georgians but made Soros even richer. That's why Trump endorsed David Perdue. He's going to do a great job. David Perdue, the only conservative outsider for Georgia. Okay. A secret backroom deal. It's like, it's just so funny. A secret backroom deal. I am pretty sure that Brian Kemp has never met with Soros. (laughs) But also, okay, there's so many levels to that. Number one, Soros saying Soros. It's anti-Semitic. Like oh, one hundred percent. It's there's no there's no way to really cut that. It's, no, that's it, right. It's 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 code word. But then the fact that there was a backroom deal, and then Kemp uses Soros in his speeches all the time. Oh, yeah. It's so bizarre. Um, and then of course you've got the flavor of the moment. Um, you know, and here it is. Th- this is just from the other day. You know who this is. I could go off and just go to, you know, Hawaii and live a nice life. That means that God has called me to sacrifice all of that in order to bring the truth. That's what I'm saying. They don't cut my check. You listen to people that's getting their check cut by Jewish media. George Soros, come and meet with me directly. I told you, you ain't going to send none of these people that you usually send. Charlemagne, we know all the names. Okay. George Soros, come meet with me directly. That is... 
anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism, oh, anti-Semitism. It's, it's overt. It's overt. And it's it's not even, yeah, they're, they're, that's not even a dog whistle. That's just saying, like, that's just bullhorning something and saying, it. you know, there, he's he has articulated and validated what every person has been saying when they say anytime a Republican mentions Soros, it's a dog whistle. Yeah. So um, it, there, there's a lot to unpack there. There's so much anti-Semitism in the Republican Party. And yes, there is anti-Semitism in the far left. There's there's no question about that. We could talk a little bit about that with Esther. Yeah. But, but it, you know, when you have a tweet still alive from the House Judiciary GOP that says Kanye, Elon, and Trump— Still yeah. there, you know, and 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 you don't see people on the hard right, and you're enabling having softball interviews with Marjorie Taylor Greene, or even campaigning with her, campaigning with her. Yeah, this is uh, a call to anti-Semitism. So um, we want to learn more about this. Esther's really an expert on this, yes. and let's get to her. Our guest today is Esther Panich, and she is running for House Representative for District 51. She has spent her life fighting for people in so many different areas, equal rights, fair treatment of people, victims of crime. And she is, she's a lawyer who is, is, is really, really fearless. And she also went to my hometown high school, North Miami Beach Senior High. Go Chargers. Hi, Esther. Hi, Mara. Go Chargers. (laughs) Isn't that weird? We didn't know we went to the same high school until we did. That's right. We represent an MB in the house. Yeah. And so one thing that Esther and I, Terry, will, will understand is where we grew up, everybody was Jewish, like in high school. Like, like, I mean, now not everybody, but like in our high school, it was, um, you know, it was diverse, but it was very insulated, huge Jewish community in South Florida. And now we are experiencing so much anti-Semitism. Esther, if you're elected, you would be the first Jewish House representative in Georgia. Is that right? No, second. 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 No, no, no. No, no, no. I would be the current only Jewish representative in Georgia. There have been Jewish representatives before. Uh, Mike Walensky is in the current term. But he's not. He didn't run for re-election. Got it. So I would be the only one in it if elected. And uh, I. But there has been uh, other Jewish representatives prior to this session. Would you be the first Jewish woman? No, okay. I believe there have been others. Um, I have. I believe there have been others. In fact, I know there have been others. Don't ask me to name them. I know okay. Renee Unterman one. But um, she was not a Jewish Democrat, but she is a Jewish woman. Right. She has an interesting backstory that let's not bother talking about it. Um, But the lately, it seems like especially there's been a lot of anti-Semitism, obviously nationally, but locally, too. I mean, can you elaborate on a little more of that? Because you've been pretty outspoken. Yeah. And I will say that even though you and I grew up in a very Jewish area surrounded by a larger Jewish community, it's not something that I've just come across recently. I remember going to debate camp. I was a debate nerd in high school, and I went to a summer camp in Wisconsin for one high school summer. 
And I was talking with my friends and this woman, this girl who I didn't know, who was also in the camp from Oklahoma came up to talk to me and my friends. And she was looking at my head and it was a little strange. And one of my girlfriends from South Florida said, oh, she had her horns clipped this week, which is a reference because people think Jews have horns. And it was a joke. And the girl looked at me like, oh, as if, oh, okay, now I understand why your horns aren't showing. And my friend and I, our jaws dropped. We couldn't believe she actually believed that. We were the first Jewish people she'd ever met. And so we talked to her. I mean, we weren't joking anymore because there were people in the country who really didn't know. And um, it was shocking to us. And obviously, it's still in my brain. So um, it stuck with me my entire life. But it was, I don't think she, she certainly didn't mean, I mean, this is what she grew up believing. And so it's, it's not, I think most Jews will have an experience like that if you ask them. Oh, I've had um, that. But it was my first time, right, it's my first time away from home yep. where I wasn't surrounded by a Jewish community. And so, you know, I wouldn't expect that in my hometown, but being in rural Wisconsin with a girl from Oklahoma, um, I guess I shouldn't have been surprised, but I was. So, so, but now it's really come back to the forefront. We see it couched in, in veiled ways and we see it not so veiled. Um, these references, for example, to globalists or George Soros. Um, yes, there are billionaires who are Jewish. Um, yes, there are people in media who are Jewish, but there is no Jewish cabal out to rule the world if there was. Uh, six million of us wouldn't have been killed in Europe. Uh, we wouldn't be continually subject to shootings, assassination attempts, uh, or assassinations, um, being harassed in the streets. Obviously, you know, <laughs> we're not doing very well if we control everything. Um, but there is no such thing. And, but people are just not afraid anymore to just use these names which are giant red flags for Jews. So when someone says George Soros, um, unless they're talking about in conjunction with other people and name other people, then, then we have no reason to believe they're not talking about Jewish people. Do you feel like anti-Semitism had waned and is more people are anti-Semitic right now than were in relatively recent history, or do you feel like it was always there and now people are just more upfront about it? I think it was always there and people now have permission. Right, right. To, um, to be who they were or to, um, and now it's called something else. I mean, now if you call it out, it's called cancel culture. I mean, right. we see people, look, anti-Semitism exists on both sides of the political spectrum, on the far left and the far right. I'm not going to pretend it doesn't exist in both places. It does. The challenge is when you see it called out, when you see it on the far left, it's called out by people on the left. Right. When Ilhan Omar made some right. awful comments, she was called out. There was a resolution against her. She apologized. When Kanye goes on Tucker and says what he says, the companies, some quickly, and some not so quickly, 
came out against him, but you didn't see Tucker saying anything about him. You didn't see GOP leaders seeing anything, saying anything about him. And the GOP judiciary Twitter account. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, I mean, so you're running for office, you know, you're running for state house. And as we look, we've learned from Terry, you know, who's like an insider in there, like, it's like, you're walking into like a shark's den. Do sharks have a den? Who do they have? Uh, but you being like a Jewish woman there is, does that intimidate <laughs> you at all? Or does that excite you? Because you're going to be like, I'm going to show you what I'm about. Well, I don't intimidate easily. And I've actually experienced some level of anti-Semitism in the Gold Dome. I testified on behalf of clients to expand the statute of limitations for sexual assault victims, specifically people who were children at the time they were assaulted. So if you think about Boy Scouts or Catholic Church victims or any abuse of children from any organization, any religion, any organization oh, that yeah. have children. Public employees so, through parks, that's a big part of it. Correct. I mean, don't, don't, it's not narrowed down to Boy Scouts, but that was, those were my clients, victims of Boy Scout abuse. And I was testifying in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee. <clears throat> Bill Cowsert was the chair. He is Frank Hemp's brother-in-law. And um, I, everybody ahead of me, it was a very long hearing, it was very contentious and very emotional. But if you can imagine, on the same side as I was, was Georgia Right to Life and the Baptist Convention, which are strange bedfellows. But we were all on the same side. And opposing us were essentially the Boy Scouts, the Catholic Church, and the Georgia Chamber of Commerce. Well, Bill Kauser, as a lawyer, represents people, I mean, represents churches who have been sued, uh, and Boy Scout troops who have been sued for sexual abuse. So he has a financial motive, just like I do, for bringing these suits or defending these suits. So put aside any conflict of interest he had in being on this committee um, and, and acting as a member of this committee, put that aside. But everybody ahead of me was quoting some passage of the Bible about, you know, that you don't hurt little children and all of this. I'm Jewish. I don't quote Jesus. So it was my turn. It would have been out of place for me not to say anything. So I said, and I joked about it. I said, well, I'm Jewish, so I'm going to quote something from the Old Testament. And I, I said, justice, only justice shalt thou pursue. I mean, said it in Hebrew. And that was it. That was the only reference to my faith. Later on, the hearing ended. Bill Couser walked away. Apparently, there were victim, adult victims of sexual assault who were behind him walking to the elevator along with some other lawyers, and they heard Bill Couser say to nobody in particular, I will not be lectured by that Jew. <gasps> I didn't hear it because I had left. Right. But it was reported to me by people who heard it themselves. Wow. Wow. Yeah, not that woman, not that lawyer. Wow. Correct. Not the woman in the red shirt or blue shirt, right. or whatever shirt I was wearing. Not the lawyer, right, it was clear I was a lawyer. Wow. Not, whatever. There are a hundred ways to identify me. That Jew was the one he settled upon. So um, I found out, 
I couldn't believe it. I was shocked. You're waiting on a vote. I didn't want that to be an issue. So I kept my mouth shut until the vote was over um, or we knew, you know, how it was going to turn out. And then I emailed him. I wanted to give him an opportunity to clear it up because at that point, I still couldn't believe that's what he said. I was hoping my, the people who heard it misheard it and that there was some reasonable explanation. And he didn't deny it. And so, I mean, we went back and forth on email. He didn't deny it. He said he was upset. Well, things were getting, you know, heavy. And he thought I called him a pedophile, which, of course, I did not. He's an attorney. I'm an attorney. I know how to criticize my opponent's position without making a personal. And, and I never accused him of anything. Although I said, if you think I called you that, or if you, if you took that position on, then maybe you need to, you know, look into yourself. But that's not what I called you. And, um, and I said, if you ever really want to apologize or have a conversation about it, I look forward to it. I haven't heard back from him since. Well, good on you. I mean, that's yeah. that, that's really brave that you um that you did that. That's uh, another reason why um I think you're a very strong candidate to be running for House D- District 51. And it's very gracious of you to have opened up that conversation yeah. like, look, this is what I was informed. I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. I know he could have said he was sorry. Yeah, well, it was one of those. I'm sorry if I offended you. Or it was. I oh, yeah, I'm sorry apology. you feel that way. Yeah, I'm sorry. Right. Yeah, I'm sorry you feel that way. That's not an apology. That's no, that's not, not an apology. apology. And so I um and I haven't heard from him, but uh, but so no, I'm actually excited to bump into him again, <laughs> and also as a colleague, then somebody he can just dismiss out of hand. So uh, yeah. um, so no, I'm not intimidated. Um, life's too short and I, no, I just don't have that sense of fear. Well, that's quite a story. That's quite a story. Okay. So what made you, so you obviously are a very successful attorney. Um, why did you want to run for office? So one thing that, well, a couple things. First, I really didn't intend to run for office this time. My, in 2016, when Trump won, I was angry like everybody else and was throwing things at the TV and realized I got to do something. So besides throwing things at the TV and just being mad all the time. So I thought about the idea of running. My husband and I had considered it at one point when Tom Price had resigned and um, realized that was not the right time. And then when this position came up, the seat came up, Josh McLaurin who holds it now. And I talked about it and he decided to run, which was great because then I didn't have to, because he's perfectly competent, right, he's running, and more yeah. than competent. And I said, but if you don't end up running for re-election or in the future, you run for something else, let me know. So he did in November and I, my, all my kids had just gone off to school. I was an empty nester with my husband and I was living my best life. <laughs> and I had no desire to my my practice was going really well, life was good. I had no reason to pivot or do anything else, and I didn't get back to him. I didn't get back to Josh. And then next thing I know, there's Jen Jordan and Josh are calling me a couple months later, saying Mike Lewinsky's not running for re-election. There will be no Jews left in the legislature, which shocked me 
because neither Jen nor Josh are Jewish. And it took two non-Jewish legislators to tell me that. I didn't believe them. I, I mean, I had no reason not to believe them. I was just stunned. I made some phone calls. They were right. And I said, that is not going to happen on my watch. I'm, I cannot watch bullies in power get more power and not do so, or not try to do something about it. So I turned to my husband. I said, if you can't think of a good reason, I shouldn't run. I plan to do this. And so together we made the decision and here we are. That's, I mean, that's, that's a good origin story, Esther. I mean, <laughs> and, what's, what, and I'll tell you what I, I mean, I got to know Esther working on the child predator work and, and working on this legislation. And there's so much more context to this, right? Like th- this is, this is legislation that has passed the house unanimously multiple times. It would, it would broaden the, the time period that a survivor of sexual abuse has to file their claim, because we know that so many victims of childhood sexual abuse aren't even fully aware of what happened to them until they are in, I think, what, what is the average age? Esther? It's like 37, 43. Not even more, it's older. Yeah, it's, it's like older. In it's 40s. in the 40s. Yeah, it's like 43. It's, 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 it's because when you're a child, when one, you're being predated upon, right? Like you have someone who has actually like targeted you. You're a vul- It's typically kids in a vulnerable situation for one reason or another they don't have the emotional vocabulary to understand what has been happening to them. And then what's happening to them is almost invariably happening to them by someone who they trust, right? So, so it's usually not until a lot later when they realize what's happening. So this would, you know, allow these survivors and, you know, childhood sexual abuse is a generational trauma. It is, it is something that impacts the rest of the, these, these survivors, the rest of their lives. It impacts their children, how they raise their children. I mean, the letters, and I'm sure Esther, you've gotten the same emails and letters from family members of survivors talking about what they have experienced. Anyway, it's passed the House unanimously multiple times and been killed in the Senate multiple times because of this clear conflict of interest with Senator Kowser. And so that's when I got to know Esther. And I was like, this lady is unstoppable. And I'm thrilled that you're going to be coming to the House. And also because you like to bring receipts to the conversation. <laughs> Let's talk about receipts. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So receipts are important in law. We call them evidence. And I don't ever expect anyone to take my word for anything. So I have to be in proof. And um, part, of the, part of my personality is that I cannot handle hypocrisy. I get if you have a strongly held belief, um, I'm not great. Good for you. When you start doing something counter to that belief and then call, you know, calling someone else out for doing the same thing, I got a problem with that. So, for example... Wait, does that <laughs> happen in Georgia politics? I haven't oh, heard that much. Yeah. Imagine, <laughs> imagine. Occasionally. So for, right. For example, my opponent says that I want to defund the police. First of all, I never said that. I've worked with police officers. I've represented police right. officers. I would never it's say just- that. And he says, I said that, put it out of a mailer. The challenge is he has actually defunded them because he chooses not to pay his property taxes year after year after year after year. What he seems to do is wait until a lien is filed, which, by the way, takes resources from the county. Yes, yes, it does. (laughs) And and then have to deal with a lien. 
first responders are not being paid. Nurses are, I mean, um, teachers are not being paid. All the things that your property taxes pay for are not being paid because people don't pay, when people don't pay their taxes. So, um, so then he waits until the, either the county negotiates it for a lower cost or he, uh, they sell to a third party who then negotiates for a lower fee. So he's gaming the system. So that's my, ch- like when you say, I want to, that I want to defund the police when you're actually defunding them. You know, I got a problem with that. Right. Is he, is he a sovereign citizen? He's real close. Because I'll tell you, and this is my PSA to everyone listening. If you're ever dealing with someone who says they're a sovereign citizen, do not pass go. Go immediately to your computer and start doing public record searches because I guarantee you, you're going to find all kinds of crazy stuff on this person. Well, that's that's the one amazing thing about you ladies as far as receipts go. It's just like, oh, really? Um, Let's, I mean, I think that's fascinating. I think that's, it's 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 really amazing to me that trope of um, defund the police, which I will say it was not great. The messaging of that could have been a lot better when people started talking about it, because I understand when you break down what is the message right. in it, but it's become very effective um, in, you know, advertising for the other side against you. Uh, but Esther, you don't seem to be intimidated by uh, your opponent or anyone for that matter. I mean, I'm sh- look, there are days I've walked into court and they're like, oh God, what am I, com- what am I up against? But that's usually like something I, I need to deal with. And then, you know, like you take a breath and you keep going, but you got to fake it. You can't look like the cat in front of your client, yes, certainly. Yeah, and no. you don't want to look like in front of the judge. So, oh, I mean, definitely don't want to give your, your opponents the satisfaction of thinking that or letting them think that, that you're intimidated. So a lot of it is just internal for a moment, but no, because I know when I go to court, I'm the most prepared in that courtroom. So they could not be more prepared than I am. It's just not possible. So um, I'm going to, you know, leave everything on the table. I'm going to work as hard as I can. I'm going to fight for my client. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't work. You can do all of that and you still get a bad ruling or things don't go your way. But it's not because I didn't do every single thing I could. One of my clients called it the full-on panic. So <laughs> I know I've done the full-on. I've given the full-on panic or the full panic to, to, and that's what I intend to do in the legislature. I just don't have the the wherewithal not to do that. It probably has will take years off my life, but, <laughs> but hey, while I'm here, that's what that's what my clients get. That's what. Um, my constituents would get as well. Well, your website is estherforgeorgia.com. Everybody can look up Esther for Georgia. Um, One thing that's, you know, a point in your corner, you get a lot of emails. We've been hearing you're very in demand. So (laughs) that's great. (laughs) Yeah, the ding. Sorry, I don't know how to turn that off without... I'll teach um, you how to do that. But no, it's it's exciting. So are you excited for for the election or you're just ready for it to be over? Um, A little of both. I get excited when I see those events. When I see these early voting numbers, I get really excited, especially seeing all the women come out. Um, that is really exciting because, I mean, I hope because <laughs> they're voting Democrat, but um, I sense that women are finally 
just tired of seeing what has happened when men try to control their futures. So um, hopefully, hopefully we are like Kansas and, and um, tell, you know, take control of our futures. Yeah. Because where I feel like so many women are is they know that with the men who are predominantly in power and with the Republicans who are in power, what they they have done two big things, and that is erode health care. They have made it harder for women to access life-saving health care. And they have also made it so every single mother holds her breath when her children walk out the door to go to school. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yep. I mean, so every true. morning. Yep. It's so true. Uh, well, Esther, we are rooting for you. Esther Panich, estherforgeorgia.com. Thank you so much. Both of you. You're working Thank your you. ass off. And you're fighting yep. a little bit less on Twitter. Good job. Yeah. And thank you for <laughs> yeah. thank you. Well, I, I you told know, that to Esther. I'm like, stop fighting with these dum-dums. Oh, I know. You just got to ignore it. <laughs> yes. But thank you for contextualizing what this anti-Semitism yes. that we're seeing really, really means. Because it's so, you know, again, it's so powerful because we know we're seeing this. And to hear firsthand what your experiences have been as a you know, an extremely accomplished person and what, what you're dealing with every day, it is, it's, it's, it's important. And it's a conversation that we need to continue to have because it's not that hard to support Jewish people, but it seems like a lot of folks are really having to, to stretch in order to make an effort. I mean, even like you mentioned, you know, we talked about companies and, and ye or what, you know, no, we have to put yeah. it out there, yeah. but it's important that people like you, Esther, are speaking out and making your yes. voice known. So we thank you for thank that. You. We're rooting for you, girl. Thank you. Mwah. Thanks to both of you. Well, thank you, Esther. That was that was great. Wow, what a story, man. That's a, like two pretty riveting things there. That is stunning. And again, like to be able to humanize what anti-Semitism means, I think is very, very important. And, and I, and I'm grateful that Esther is willing to put that story out there because yeah. that, you know, that requires vulnerability, requires emotional labor, emotional labor. Oh, yeah. And I'm grateful that she's willing to do same, that. Same, same, same. I think it's so important to, to speak out and to, you know, identify yourself as, as Jewish. The fact that there are no, there is one Jewish house representative, there's Jewish sen- state senators. I don't know if there are currently. There have been. I mean, but that to me is just, that's, that's, um, you know. All right. Well, we we need Esther to make change. Okay. So we always try to make our last segment a little bit lighter. Um, This Warnock commercial is my, like, look, he just, you know, completely killed it with the puppy ads in, in 2020, which, by the way, fake elector Burt Jones trying to do that in his ads. I'm not even going to give him the the time of day by playing that ad where it's like, no. look at me. I like to rescue puppies. It's like, oh, my God. Like, no, you didn't. No, you don't. Um, FYI, he did that. It's so gross. It's like I felt so bad for those puppies. Yeah. Uh, but this is uh, lead up uh, as in what happens if there's a runoff. To Thanksgiving. Mom, we brought a friend. That's right. 
I could be interrupting your Thanksgiving because if nobody gets 50% of the vote, there'll be a runoff and nobody wants that to happen. Early voting has already begun and there's no reason to wait till election day. I'm Raphael Warnock and we don't have to mix politics and Thanksgiving. That's why I approve this message. Now, can you pass the sweet potatoes, please? <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I mean, he 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 was like this supposed to be like, look, if you want to see the Publix ads with the <laughs> yes. like with the salt and pepper shakers, week. you need to just go ahead and vote for me because that is a really bad scenario. So if it's oh. a, if it's a runoff, you know, uh, it's unfortunately what could happen if there's a runoff, then you're going to have everyone putting all their money into Georgia, That's right. and so that makes God forbid there's a runoff that makes you know every Republican pack is going to be putting every cent into Herschel Walker, which is just again, it's just terrifying. It's terrifying. It's terrifying, and, and there are so many variables with a runoff. The runoff results that we had in on January fifth, twenty twenty one were an anomaly. It is it is very unusual for I mean this is just the the statistical historical fact. It is very unusual for Democrats to prevail in a runoff like that. Well, and then and correct me if I'm wrong, Terry. We had nine weeks then. We did. It this was a much, time. It's right. only four. Right. Right. So that's the thing too. The runoff for this one will be, I believe, on December sixth. It was on January fifth last time. Yes, it is a much shorter runoff period. It would be fast, furious, intense, and brutal. Brutal. It, brutal. And trying to get people to the polls that first week of December is really, really hard. I mean, we, we would oh. have to, I mean, think about the ground game we have going on right now in Georgia, and we would have to multiply that, but you're doing it with just a, such a profound level of election fatigue and donor fatigue and canvasser fatigue, like everybody's just tired. So yeah, if you're listening, you've probably already made your plan to vote. Hopefully you've already voted, but you've got to make sure all the people you know are voting. If you've got your group chat going on, make sure everybody there knows that they need to vote. And this is, you know, this podcast drops on Monday, the last Monday of the last week of early voting. And we know that that last week of early voting, people really tend to search to the polls and that's good. So Go again, go ahead and vote early, Vote early while you can, because this is the last week of early voting. All right. Um, you've heard that preview of a clip. Sorry, by the way, apologies. Um, we're trying to make less work for our great producer, Christina Larger. So I'm manning all the uh, audio clips here. And we wanted to leave you with this. Um, you know, basically after we played that clip of Dr. Oz saying, you know, politicians need to be there with your health care choices um, and Herschel Walker wants to be there with your health care choices. This is from the latest season of Inside Amy Schumer about, well, it's, it's, it's about exactly that. You live a busy life. The last thing you want to have to worry about is your birth control pill. That's why we're introducing Orthoestrin, a new low-dose daily birth control pill with little to no side effects. Ask your doctor if birth control is right for you. Then ask your boss if birth control is right for you. Ask your boss to ask his priest. Find a Boy Scout and see what he thinks. Tap a mailman on the shoulder. Sorry, I didn't mean to startle you. Um, Tell him you didn't mean to startle him. Then ask him if birth control is right for you. Put it online and see how many likes it gets. Mom. 
ask an old black man and an Asian boy playing chess in the park. I start this new birth control. Then ask them how they became friends because there has just got to be a story there. I'm trying to get birth control and I'm Ask someone who just got one of those cochlear implants and is hearing for the very first time. Yeah, but can I get birth control? Ask Jeeves. I'm supposed to ask you too. Ask your mom's new boyfriend. Then ask the Supreme Court. Finally, ask yourself why you insist on having sex for fun. No refills? I have to go through all this again next month? Yep. See you then. Can I have a gun? Yep. Remember, that's your right. <laughs> Nails it. So good. So good. Oh, God. So good. Yeah. I mean, it's true. And it's like, yeah, you got to go through all that again <laughs> next month. It's just, no, my favorite line is, why do you want to have sex for fun? That's what it comes down to. Right. Why do you want to do, well, yeah. Why do you <laughs> not, why do you want to have sex to not procreate? Why do you want to, yeah. There's one other thing I wanted to read. I got so excited. I, let's see. I got a, um, I got a, a note from Lauren, who she's 11, Lauren P. She's a humanitarian feminist, teacher mom, dog mom, vaccinated voter. So of course, like, I'm so, like, I got a DM from her and she's like, hey, Mary, you mentioned how you're fascinated with evangelicals on the pod. So I had to share my recent discovery. These guys are great, uh, if you're familiar, and it's called Straight White American Jesus. <laughs> An Apple podcast, so I'm going to give that a shout out, oh and gosh. I'm going to give uh, Lauren a shout out for listening to the pod. By the way, you can always reach us. You know, my yes. DMs are open. Um, I'm Mara at MaraDavis.com. Is there an email that you would give out? Terry at Terry for Georgia. T E R I. It's one R and an I, and it's then spelled F O R G E O R G I A. Or I'm at Tia Nullowitz on Twitter and Terry for Georgia on Instagram and Facebook. Okay, so the, oh. this is a test. If you want to ask a question. Uh, ask us if you want yes. to reach out. Ask us if you want to shame Terry for never going to Disney World. Do it. If you want to shame me for never eating Taco Bell? That's totally fine. Open season. <laughs> Thanks, Christina Larger, as always, for being there for putting this together for us. Make sure you get out and vote. Get your voting plan. More importantly, call those young people in your life who have never voted. Make sure that they get out there and do that because that could make a difference, man. That's exactly, the, the, the margins are going to be lean. No matter what the polling says, just know that you have to vote. Someone asked me, how can I secure my vote? I was like, by voting. Lean and mean. Let's do this. Yep. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>